Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Wow, how good was that voiceover? Craig Clark, the voice of Australian rugby, in fact, joins us on the podcast this week. Clarkie, welcome to you. Nice to be back. Thank Along you with uh, Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au. Christy, terrific to have you along once again. And, uh, Thank you. There's a bit to talk about. Um, Clarky. you'd be pretty happy, I would imagine, having called your first game of the SCG and having called a, a Waratahs win. Yeah, it ticked the box and it was a great vibe out there on uh, Saturday night. I, I really enjoyed it because it was Heritage Round and uh, so many stats associated with uh, the you famous love Sydney stat. Cricket Ground. I, I love a stat and, and, uh, and you know... 304th game between Queensland and New South Wales, but the first time the two states had clashed on the uh, you know, turf at the SCG since 1983. It was it was just a great night. I was disappointed in in the Reds um, because they tailed off in that in that second half. But for a while, it was looking like being a good old fashioned Aussie derby. But the Waratahs knew after the Rebels capitulated again in the second half against the Haywaris. Capitulated might be a Nah, a that's fair strong, enough. A little strong, but again, they, they didn't go on with the job in the second half, and, and the Waratahs knew that uh, a win would take them to the top of the Australian Conference, so they had uh, plenty of incentive. And now Brad Thorne, I think, has a, a major challenge on his hands to try and just make sure that he can regroup and get uh, a lot of these youngsters going again and, uh, and see out the season. I'm, I'm happy to say, you, Nick, you're looking pretty fresh here because on Saturday we were here for about nine hours at Fox yes, and there was, was a, a thousand day. games. Yep. You're looking good. No, no, I've, I've slept it off. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I'm quite fit. I've put in a big pre-season and I felt that I was ready for four games back-to-back, so I'm feeling okay, thanks. Can I just interrupt because our other guest is looking at us saying, oh, hang on, I, I thought it was all about me. Well, that's right. Well, let's make it all about him. Wallaby's assistant coach, Mick Byrne. Terrific to have you on board with the Fox Rugby podcast. Oh, Fresh off the plane. Yeah. I know this is uh, an opportunity you've been looking for for, well, probably months now, an appearance on the Fox Rugby podcast. So terrific to have you along. Just a, another week in paradise? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just uh, really appreciated the end of daylight saving to come down to Sydney on an early flight. So... That's been great, but uh, I, I just uh, concur with all the thoughts around the weekend. It was great to watch. Uh, I mean, I, I'm going back a few years. I'm obviously quite old fella, but uh, going back played. to the SCG, yeah, I played. That was my, my home ground at one stage, but I just go back to Test Cricket. I went there as a kid and Rugby League Grand Finals. I went there as a kid in the 70s, and oh, it was just great to watch uh, see the SCG back with a, with a game of rugby on it. Good to see a proper scrum on there. We've, we've seen a few league games That's over right. the years. That's right. Finally, yeah, well, a couple of front rows going. When, I went, when I went Nick, to watch I re- rugby I league, you playing, all right? So, yeah, yeah, I'm well, with you. Well, listen, when I went to rugby league when I was a kid, they were proper scrums. The grand final between South and Manly with Bucknell and Pogo Morgan and Johnny Sattler—that was a serious scrum. So well, they, they used to do it. Let's just fill in the background, Mick, for those listening who uh, might not realise: Premiership player with Hawthorne, played for the Sydney Swans, played for Melbourne as well. So, how many games in the AFL? Oh, I think it's, at that yeah, I think it's about 170. Yeah, yeah. 178 um, maybe. Yeah, and okay. then thanks, Christy. It is. It, it is. <laughs> Do you still fit into those little shorts? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it is a remarkable story because obviously you finished up there and uh, and found your way into uh, into rugby union first at Manly, wasn't it? You, you... Yeah, I came back. I, I actually grew up playing league in union uh, over at Manly and. Uh, uh, Aussie rules was basically my third sport when I finished school, and 
that was a better option for me to, to head down to Melbourne. And when I came back in 87 to join the Swans, I got back involved in rugby league at Manly. And then uh, a friend of mine, Brian Beer, was the president of Manly Rugby Club and he introduced me to their new coach in 97, which was Tim Lane. I still see him on the Manly do uh, Shelley Beach Walk most yeah, mornings. Yes, yeah. Shirtless. Yeah, I oh, just probably walked down from his little <laughs> property there down the stairs and... Was he walking or standing? Uh, no, he was walking. Oh, good <laughs> I haven't seen him job for him. a while. <laughs> and 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 then uh, and then you found your way to New Zealand and and yeah. what ten years with the yeah Orbans? eleven years yeah. there, which was uh, two World Cups, three. three? Yeah, yeah two World well, Cups. I, I forgot. Yeah. Don't I talk for- about those. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten about that other one, but yeah, the last two were pretty good. Yeah, so that's a, that is a hell of a career, and now back in Australian rugby and and looking to make a difference. You feel at home? Oh, I definitely feel at home, and. Uh, you know, finding my way with the the rugby, and uh, you know, just very grateful for the opportunity that Czech's given me, and uh, the support he's given me through the process, and being able to get my my teeth into what I want to get done. So I'm 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 very grateful for that opportunity. Is it true that you wanted to come back a lot earlier, but there were um, no positions around, or were you just pretty happy with the way things were going? With no, the there there was, you know, personally, you know, after after two eleven. Uh, the family, my wife came back. There were family, you know, reasons she came back, and I was looking to come back then. But um, you know, I was offered a, a one afternoon a week in an academy, so that really didn't fit my what I needed. So <laughs> yeah. I went back and joined, uh, just stayed with the All Blacks, which they, they again they were they were great because that you know they understood there were personal reasons behind the decisions I was making. So you know that's they were very supportive of that and. Yeah, so I just stuck out there and, and put another few years in there. And after 2.15, the family just, uh, the pool needed, I needed to come back. Uh, like So much success over that period of time. And then to come to Australian rugby, and it's been a rocky couple of years, super rugby and Australian level. Has it, was it an easy decision to walk away from, like you talk about the family and so forth, but was it easy knowing that there's going to be so much success in New Zealand rugby to come where it's going to be a real challenge? Yeah, I guess when I left, I wasn't coming back into Australian rugby. Mm. You know, I was uh, I was basically finishing up in New Zealand because of personal reasons, and so I came back and I didn't come straight back into rugby and get the just got into the business and, and got going. Um, and then you know, just was obviously in uh, it was it was uh, meeting you know check through C three sixty here that you know we had a couple of coffees and asked me a couple of questions and. Probably sitting out the June series for the first time since uh, 2001, not being involved in a test match and watching it on telly, it was... You know, Got the fire in the belly. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think when Czech asked me again, you know, sort of put it on me to, you know, to sort of, was I was I keen? Well, it was the right time. So, yeah, I got back involved. For the thousands of rugby fans listening to us chat now, um, what's the biggest challenge now? going forward, looking ahead to Rugby World Cup 2019? Oh, biggest challenge? I think getting ourselves in a position where our team is um, as fit and as strong as they can be and, you know, settling on uh, on, a, on a core group of, of players, you know, a core squad. Um, and I think once we've we nail that down over the, the course of the next couple of months, um, I think we're, we're looking, you know, I'm, I'm certainly excited by what can bring. I mean... You know the finish of the Bledisloe last year. You know we, mm-hmm. except for a, a little mishap at the restart in Dunedin, we're playing to win it in Brisbane. So, 
you know, we've 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 picked some yards off them, and now we've got to go again, you know, because, um, you know, I don't know what's going on over there, but I do know that they're spending a lot more time in the franchises this year than they have, they've ever done. So there's obviously a reason for that, um, and you know they're having camps, etc. So they they're going to work hard to get to make improvements. So we've got to work hard to make our improvements. Has the five to four? Uh, had the desired effect in terms of you know that concentration of players. There's the whole financial side of it, and uh, Rugby Australia will hopefully be able to pump some money back into grassroots in the next few years. But in terms of um, taking the players, putting them into the four teams, do you feel that that's paying off or will pay off? Oh, I, it definitely will pay off, and I think it is. I mean, we've got three teams in the top eight now, I think, from after yep. the weekend. I'm not sure what happened with the Bulls and Sharks, whether that affected it, but I think we've got three in the top eight. Um, so yeah, it's definitely you know it's put some players not only just the rebels but you know the Waratahs are benefiting from a, from guys that have gone in there. So um, and the Brumbies obviously they're they're benefiting from a couple of players in there as well. So it's definitely had a short term effect, and I think long term it will uh, most definitely. While it was disappointing that you know for lots of reasons we we couldn't keep five going um, financially, we, we probably you know we're struggling to. As we saw with the results come out, we know we've, we've got some challenges there, but now we've got our four teams and we can focus our, our efforts into four teams and start supporting those teams as best we can. Then, you know, I think the benefits will be definitely long term, but we are seeing some short term short term gains. Consistency. Like, like one question I know a lot of rugby fans want answered is the fact that uh, the Wallabies knock over the, the, the All Blacks in the third Bledisloe Cup and then. They go yeah. away and they concede a record number of points against England and Scotland. So are you optimistic that uh, we're going to see a more consistent uh, Wallabies team? Yeah, and I think the, the end-of-year tours, the, the spring tours, um, they're, they're a big challenge um, coming off sort of a rugby championship moving into the spring tours. A lot of games of footy played over a number of weeks mm. and... You know, we're not the only ones that have Southern Hemisphere sides that have struggled with that last couple of weeks of the end of year tour. I think, uh, you know, if we look the, the, where the All Blacks have lost mo- their games of footy, have been those last couple of weeks of that end of year tour, and you know they're supposedly or they are the best team in the world and they're fit and all that. So we we found that last year, by the time we got to the end of year tour, uh, the work we'd done during the year to get to the point where we needed to get to probably just came paid out against us in those last mm. couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, we did, you know, injuries are always part of the game. So, you, you know, you're knocking down to, you know, your your fourth or fifth lock, you know, uh, was out there. And, you know, it's you don't take anything away from the quality of the player. But when you're playing your first test match, there's a lot of nervous energy that gets burned up during the week. So by the time you get out there, it's a challenge. And, you know, 14 men against Scotland didn't help us. No. Um, you know, so... What was the feeling, though, with the coaching group at that stage? Because we'd seen Czech quite animated throughout that England test match and, and there was a lot of scrutiny over that, rightly or wrongly. But what was the actual feeling of the, of the group towards the back end of the year? Well, it's, I, I, we were quite excited by it and uh, there's a lot of energy around because there's a great opportunity for us to go up there and finish the season off on a real high. Mm. Um, you know, knocking the All Blacks off in Brisbane put us in good stead uh the barbarians came through a little challenge out to us as far as prep goes but that was really that was well received by everybody so uh, and then we get on the end of year tour and 
you know, I thought the the Welsh game, we got started, got going, and I think we just probably, you know, just had a couple of injuries, uh, excitement around the England game. You know, yes, there's a couple of things happened there, and it was well documented that, that game, but there were some unusual circumstances in that game that, um, you know, we can't go over. I'm not going to pass judgment on what they were, but, you know, that was unusual. And then we got into the last week, and I was actually quite excited by it, you know, um, so the energy was certainly there from, from as you say, from the coaching group. Um, and we just didn't didn't get the job done, though. Let's uh, bring it back to more of the, the here and now. And on the weekend, uh, the Brumbies were in Dunedin, take on the Highlanders, and it was another opportunity for an Australian side to, to knock off a New Zealand side. And it's been a long time. What is it now, 34? 34. 34 games in a row, New Zealand over New Zealand teams over Australian teams. They were up 12-10 at half-time. And, uh, and got blown away in the second half. I think it was Chris Boyd said a few weeks ago um, when the Hurricanes beat the Rebels, they said that uh, New Zealand teams, well, he said New Zealand teams feel that if they can just hang in and be in the game at halftime or early in the second half, they can get past Australian teams. And then we've had Dan McKellar in the last week say that he felt that New Zealand teams perhaps don't respect Australian teams. So there's a almost a, a common theme developing there that uh, that Chris Boyd doesn't think Australian teams can go the eighty with New Zealand teams, and there might be a lack of respect. Can you give us your thoughts around both of those? Yeah, I think uh, you know, I think the challenge for us is you know, and we it was, it was well documented last year we weren't as fit as we could be, and it's a battle to hang in there um, and get things right for eighty minutes if you if you're not fit, and I think we've got ourselves in in good shape. Um, but we're still not where we want to be and we we can still get better and we're always continually working at it and it's been a great effort from the Super Rugby coaches this year in, in collaborating with um, Rugby Australia in, in getting a program working and there's a lot of feedback and a lot of, uh, as we say, collaboration between everybody and we're all getting great great information in and we're working hard to get better and that's, you know, people can... can argue why is that why is that the case but that's just where we're at and that's reality and when we're doing well I, I will challenge the disrespect I, I think um, one of the reasons why New Zealand teams come up against you know or, or lift up against Australian teams is because they actually respect them if you if you don't respect somebody you're going to you're going to get slip up you're going to slip up if you don't respect something it's going to come back to bite you at some stage the only reason why things don't come back to bite you is because you actually got the respect um, maybe they're just that's part of the the plan they have. They just and and let's be fair. Um, last year there were a number of results against New Zealand sides. And I think back to the Reds Crusaders. Reds were seventeen nil up at home, going really well, and the Crusaders won with the last kick of the day. I think uh, Mitch Hunt put over a yeah a after penalty the after, mm. after the yeah. siren, you know, from mm. the corner there. So I, I I think there's 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 a little bit of reality there that says well. You know, while they keep doing it, they'll probably keep saying it. But it's up to us to change that. And I understand Dan's what what Dan's saying is there is a, a feeling that you know New Zealand sides don't respect. It. But that's I can let you, tell you now from being over there, it's the exact opposite. The reason why they step up is because the respect that they have. Because who are the teams that have beaten New Zealand into Super Rugby titles in the last five or six years? And who's the team that's beaten the All Blacks the most in the last ten years? You know, yep. so it's been Australian teams or Australia. So it's not that they don't respect Australian teams. What they do know is if they take their finger off the button, the Australian teams will come and get them. Mm. 
the Wallaby coaching staff have been spending time at the franchises as well. So what have you found when you visited the four franchises around Australia? Well, straight away, welcoming. You know, it's been great. Um, the coaches have been, uh, you know, just, you've just been welcomed into their environment, uh, sitting down with them and just chatting about rugby and, and their, their environment plus what we're trying to do. And there's been a lot of... Um, uh, you know, cross pollination. I guess, like, what what are you guys working on? What are we working on? And sharing of ideas, and um, there's been there's been some really good chat. Um, having different personalities in there as well is good, you know. So Stephen's been in, Nathan, check myself. We're all getting our parts of the game. We're getting different things coming in, and you know, I think the. It's only been early days, so I think we're eight on. What are we eight? Eight nine, nine. games? Nine mm-hmm. games in. It's it's been great, and you know, so you know, Nathan's up at the Reds this week, so you know, he'll be. It's all going well. Well, we were having a coffee bef- before this pod, and you were saying that when you were in New Zealand, this this didn't just occur overnight. This idea of building skills and and coaches coming into groups occurred over a number of years before the talent and the skills came to fruition. Yeah, I think we talked about that third World Cup that we all try and forget, although or they all try and forget over there. Um, that was a big catalyst for some things to happen, and you know, two hundred eight was probably uh, the area where it all all started. And you know, there was a real focus from uh, the Super Rugby coaches, and it's not, it's 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 not. A, well, we talked about being a rosy garden. It, you know, it probably is a rosy garden, but you got to be careful when you when you pick your roses because there's little things in there that can hurt you. So, you know, there's, there's a case for us. It's not all just clear sailing over there. There's a lot of angst around uh, the involvement of the All Blacks in, in Super Rugby and, and they have to manage it um, just like we're doing here. But, you know, you have, a, you have a moment like 207 and all of a sudden everybody's motivated to get better. And then, of course, you had the, the luxury there, or I guess it is a luxury of having a home... World Cup, which you needed to win, so then everybody gets on board. So that's probably there was a little bit of a perfect storm. Two oh seven, everyone gets on board. Then you got a home World Cup. We're all this, all the speed like here. If we had a home World Cup, all our Super Rugby coaches would want to see the Wallabies win that home World Cup. So you know, we just there's a maximising that opportunity really. Mm. You uh, mentioned the Reds briefly there, and obviously a lot of discussion, and again, after some comments from Brad Thorne on the weekend about Quade Cooper. So he's battling away in club football, or more than battling, playing pretty well from what we understand. And we saw that performance from the Reds uh, against the Waratahs on, on Saturday night, very limited um, paths to the, to the try line, not many scoring options, avenues. Quade Cooper would probably make a huge difference there. What's your take on that situation? Would you like to see Quade Cooper back playing for the Reds? Uh, well, it's it's a it's a difficult one um, because I you know I think when a coach makes a decision like Brad's made, and you know the the results of his team for last week didn't go the way that he wanted, it's an easy it's an easy uh, I guess it's an easy chat for people to have, but. I think if you look at the Reds and, and and Brad will be doing that this week, uh, you know I think they're forward that the forwards are, I think Curtly said after the game they were easy they were just teeing off one out runners so the Waratahs were able to shut them down in that area and in the past few weeks we've seen uh, the nine get out and run we've seen uh, Jono make line breaks we've seen Samu running straight through holes we've seen you know Chris Farway Satia running straight through holes getting the ball to the speedy fellows out on the wing. <laughs> 
Um, and I think on the weekend they just didn't get that little bit of go forward where they needed it off nine and ran that forward pack. So when the ball was getting out to Samu, Samu he was trying to run around players rather than through them like he's been doing. So I don't think that comes from the the nine ten channel. I think that's probably more around their forwards just getting a little bit more into play and getting a little bit more threatening around that those challenges. And you know, as as you know, one of the as Curtly said, the Waratahs were able to tee off on those one out runners. Quaid though, I mean, I'm sure we would all agree is is too good a footballer and certainly on too much money um, that the game hasn't really got at the moment to be running around in, in club football in Brisbane. Does there need to be some way? And there has been discussion about, um, you know, he might be heading to the Brumbies, but happening behind the scenes there. Does there have to be some way to, to find a super rugby home for him, for the good of Australian rugby? Um, yeah, obviously, you know, financially for the good of Australian rugby, if you're going to pay that much money out to to somebody, they need to be contributing back at the top end of the game um you know it's only, and i guess you know I, I was watching the the footy might have actually been you guys talking about it about the brumbies you know i haven't heard anything like that but you know i think uh you know obviously you know playing club rugby in brisbane is not going to give him the experience he needs if he's going to go the next step so sorting some, that out will be something some talk about maybe trying to get him to melbourne as well to team up again with his old mate Will Genier, and the question is, has Will started to uh, run that campaign as well? But when you listen to Tim Horan, uh, as he said in commentary the other night in post-game, you know, the Prince of Centres, Tim Horan, uh, World Rugby Hall of Famer, he just says that the Reds just need that extra playmaker. There's just too much on the shoulders of um, John Erlens, especially having a, a relatively young halfback, scrum mm. half, uh, running the show. So maybe... Um, uh, there's, there, there is relevance there, but Brad Thorne made the call, and as you know, with the All Blacks, uh, Mick, it's, it's all about culture, and, and he clearly wants to instill his own culture into the Reds, and Quaid's not part of it at this stage. Yeah, and I, th- I think from the outside looking in, and you know, like I've been up to the Reds a couple of times, and I haven't spoken to Brad about these sorts of things because it's, it's, you know, it's sort of. It's the next level above me that has all these discussions. But I think the thing for me is that I know what Brad was like as a player and he demanded, as a player, he demanded from other players. And so he's not going to change that once he's become a coach. And, well, for whatever reasons, he's he's made those. He's he's made that quite clear. And, uh, I, you know, I just, I just know, I know what Thorny, I know Thorny really well. I know what he's like. And it'll be all for the right reasons. And And he also doesn't seem like... The sort of bloke either, and from my limited dealings with him, who's going to, you know, turn up at a press conference one day, get another question about it, and he'll go, "Yeah, you're right. You know, I made a mistake. I, I shouldn't have done it." And he's back in next week. Once he's made his decision, he's made his yeah, decision. Yeah, but I think I think he's also the sort of guy if he genuinely has made a mistake, he'll put his hand up for that. So that you know, but what I am saying is that I know what Thorny's like, so he won't have done this. You know, for for any other anything other than good reasons. Yeah. One part of the discussion I think that people kind of gloss over a little bit is you go back to the Reds and when they were going well, it was a long time ago, in 2011, and they performed pretty well in 2012 too. But I know there's been injuries with with Will Genia and with Quade Cooper throughout the years of 13, 14, 15. But the reality is the Reds didn't do a whole lot with a lot of talented players in that setup. So Yeah, I, I don't think though that I think 
the discussion has kind of moved past whether he should be brought back into the red setup because clearly Brad Thorne is not going to Correct. do that. But the discussion now has moved to a point with, okay, well, if it's not the Reds, surely the Brumbies, and, and there was a discussion that we had on Saturday night about um, their limitations around mm. 10 as well at the moment. Surely he could slot into that team and make a difference for the good of the Brumbies and for the good of Australian rugby. Uh, 10, I, I, I think maybe Jack Debrasini in, in Melbourne is, is surprising a few people and, and doing better than, than some had predicted, but a lot of focus on, on the Brumbies and, and, uh, and that number 10 jersey. I just wanted to uh, maybe put the Reds away because Mick, you, my colleagues here will tell you that I'm the biggest optimist going, so I'm picking that the Reds are going to beat the Chiefs this week. I'll get them across the line because I'm calling that one at Suncorp Stadium. Of course you will. We'll break the 34 uh, match uh, losing, losing streak, but uh, someone has to bring up uh, the Waratahs. Uh, Israel will get to, but... Isn't it amazing how you can turn things around? I mean, last year the Waratahs won four games, and yeah, there's been an injection of uh, Curtis Roner, a Wallaby, and uh, and Curtly Beal, and Curtly Beal, of course, he's been sensational. But Daryl Gibson now in his third year, I think he's learned some lessons from from the first two years as a, as a head coach, and all of a sudden uh, they've had their best start to a season since whenever 2006 at least. So, uh, yeah, you can turn things around. And uh, Israel hasn't been playing for the last couple of games, and all of a sudden, you know, they're full of confidence and doing the job. Yeah, they are. And it's, uh, I was over there a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, they're working really hard on, as a squad, just getting better, getting their players better on every aspect of the game. They're spending time during S&C programs on, on uh, addressing uh, skill areas of the players. So, Every day they're warming up with the right aspects of the skill. They're getting into it. They're clear in their messages. Daryl's um, giving his coaches the the rein to to work in their areas, and he's given them the responsibility and then the accountability to get it right. And the players are enjoying. Um, you know, maybe that. You know, it's a maybe they're enjoying being down at Daceyville. It certainly looks like it. Um, it's all in the one area there. They're all. They're not, you know, stomping across car parks and, mm. you know, across forests to get to a ground and sharing grounds. They've got their own environment. They walk out of the gym onto the field. They walk out of their team room into the gym. It's all it's all very much a sporting environment down there. I think they're just enjoying, you know, for me, coming in from the outside in there last week, that's a very, uh, not contented because I, I don't think that's the right word, but it's a very happy, you know, uh, enthusiastic environment. Even at times this year after the, the Tars lost over in Argentina and it was it was a really poor opening 20 minutes, but particularly last year, the, the Tars, the talk was, should we get rid of Daryl Gibson? Is this testament to the fact that by sticking with the coach for a little bit longer, you can come out the other end? <laughs> You're talking to a coach. so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, you know, I made the point last year that we need to stick with our coaches. You know, if, you, if the coaches are, are good people and they are, are delivering a good plan to you as an organisation and things aren't going well, you've got to give some time. And the beauty about sticking with coaches that are driven for the right reasons um, is that they know the path they've been down that didn't work and they're not going to go down there again and they'll work and they'll build on and they build on. You need to see improvement, no, no question about that. And I, and I think there is a testament to to work with coaches in, in environments for, for a few years to give them an opportunity. I'm not saying you, you don't put up with poor, you know, you put up with poor results, but 
you just don't get rid of a coach because you, an environment doesn't go well in his first couple of years. Is it the same over in New Zealand, how we treat coaches over here? Um, I think it's, you know, there's a different environment there. The, the New, New Zealand Rugby Union are the employees of the coaches, employers of the coaches. So they, they are employees of New Zealand Rugby and there's a, there's a whole process there around how that works. So, um, you know, from the national body perspective, they, they drive the, the program, the development, the pathways, the, the KPIs, if you like, which I don't really like those words, but, you know, we know what we mean when we say it, that of, of the coaches. So, yeah, there's a lot more uh, involved over there than, than there are here from a Rugby Australian perspective. But I think the states are always under the pump here to, to get results on the board, whereas a little bit more, and there's always results driven in New Zealand, but there's a, there are other weightings in New Zealand that, that determine the success of a super rugby coach. Mick, uh, everyone has an opinion, uh, has a stance on the Israel Folau uh, furor over the last couple of weeks, and I'm sure you do too, but it's kind of moved past that now. The one thing I'm really interested in knowing from you, and you can give us insight into how um, the issue might affect the team room, uh, whether it be for the Waratahs, but with your expertise, more so the Wallabies. A lot of... Uh, Israel's teammates have come out in support of him uh, and and his religious views, and certainly his right to uh, to talk about his religious views. Others uh, are not so supportive. What impact might that have on the dynamic of of the Wallabies when they come together? And and as a coach, would you have to do anything extra to try and keep a lid on that? Yeah, it's a. I don't, you know, like we're not in the Waratahs environment at the moment, so it's 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 been, you know, this has all been going on outside of that environment, and all the all the the messages coming out of there is that they're all, you know, they're all sort of behind behind, they're all sticking together, and you know, the Paddy Ryan masks went up on the went up in the stand, and they looked a pretty happy bunch of guys sitting yeah. up in the stand, which which is always an indicator that uh, the environment's pretty good because if you you know, you go to the players that aren't playing, sitting in suits in the stand. You usually see some pretty grumpy faces. So, it seems that everybody's uh, in a pretty good, pretty good space there. Um, you know, anything that happens off the field has a has a chance to to impact what goes on on the field. But it it really comes down to how you manage that and and working with the players. And I and I think it sounds like you know, listen to Daryl Gibson, and it sounds very much like they've just let it happen outside of that environment and they've kept a pretty clean uh, open environment inside take us behind the scenes if, if you will especially for the people sitting on the bus or wherever listening to this now uh, when you're in camp uh, what sort of person is Israel Folau I mean does he try and sit down with you and talk about the Bible well, or is he a, is he a sportsman oh he's a sportsman first, and first second and third foremost you know like he's he's a you know I've had a lot I've probably got to work closer with um, Israel last year than I have with a lot of players over the course of the years um, because he's, he's a phenomenal athlete and, and sometimes I'm not sure he realises the impact he can have on a game because he's, he's like people talk about humble and humility and I don't want to take that the wrong way it's just sometimes people genuinely don't realise that you know if they just in, injected themselves into the game more they could actually do more and I think last year he really enjoyed being that person that a bit of a go-to person and you know he started to really get come out of his shell a little bit and and you know people must say oh, he's an experienced player and he's a great player he's played you know played 
for his country in different coats doesn't take away who the person is. You know, the fact is that he is a humble guy, but he is a, you know, like you'll come in Mondays and the first thing you want to do is sit with you and have a look at his game, work through his game. And, and then during the course of the week, he's looking for feedback and he's like every other player. You know, they, they're doing their work to get better. Um, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed working with him this year or last season. Yeah. Well, Clark, you're in a pretty good position, I suppose, yourself with, with Cam, your boy, playing in the Tars side. Have you, have you got any kind of feedback and how it's been going? I think you were in the, the sheds after the game on, on Saturday. Well, first and foremost, he doesn't tell me anything because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't think I can understand what he talks about. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, I, I had the pleasure of um, popping in to, to see the celebrations after the uh, win over the Reds. They won the Bob Templeton Cup. It meant a lot being at the SCG and it was quite a unique occasion to actually be in the SCG dressing room, and uh, it was terrific for the for them. You, yeah, there, there was a sign of unity, and there, no doubt about that. Admittedly, Paddy Ryan was receiving his 100th cap for for his state, so that helped the uh, the situation. They just beaten the old rival, so yeah, it was a perfect night to to be in there. But uh, I didn't see any any sign of any division, and um, and I haven't heard of any division. I think it's it's game on. They're going pretty well at the moment, so uh, they're focusing on on what what's going on on the on the paddock. And um, as we've seen, they've prepared pretty well. And uh, the thing I like about the Waratahs is the fact that they're on top of the Australian Conference and they're in the top eight uh, on the overall ladder, and they can still improve. There's a lot of improvement in all four Australian teams. And as Mick said before, we've got the three in the the top eight or the top ten at the moment, and um, we're still. A long way to go, and uh, and we're going to see bigger improvements throughout the year. The whole Israel thing has been played out um, in conjunction with uh, obviously talks that are going on to try and keep him in the game, contract up at the end of this year. How important is Israel Folau to Australian rugby? Well, he's, you know, like he he'd be you know one of your first picked. He's he's a world class player, so you don't want to lose world class players when you're going into a World Cup year. So obviously, for for me, it's be yeah, it'd be great to be able to... It's a nice position to be a, trying to bargain a contract. Well, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think back when I was playing, you know, like I would have loved to have been in this position. <laughs> yeah, might have been able to earn a bit more money, but uh, be a better player to be able to demand those sort of things. But, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously these things have, are playing out in a, in a pretty big year for him. Fullback or wing, because... Yeah, it's a, it's a big question, know, yeah. big debate. Oh. You know, you've spent time with him one-on-one uh, yeah. from your AFL days and from his AFL days. I mean, the, we we don't use it enough, do we, the kick to Israel into the corner? No, I had, you know, probably had this chat just over coffee with Czech last week, and I said, look, I've spoken to Israel with Daryl, and I said to, you know, Israel that he's the best right winger in the world. Um, he just happens to be the best fullback in the world as well. So, you know, what do you do? I think uh, either way, you've got to get him in the game. And if you can play a game where he, he can inject himself from fullback, then that's where you have him. If he, if you play a game where you can use him more as a right winger, well, that's where you have him. Because there's a third dimension with Israel out on the field that we don't use a lot in Australia, which is the kicking game. Mm. You know, we use a lot of running. We use a lot of passing. We've got a lot of great playmakers. But the the one aspect of the game that we're probably getting better at um, is that kicking game. The Waratahs, when they had him on the right wing, I think he caught every ball that was contestable as a as a box kick going forward or a contestable um, off 10. 
uh, kicking the crossfield kicks to him, he's going to catch those. So it's just another dimension to have. Uh, it'll just come down to, I, I guess, his his uh, his. Uh, I, I mean, I, I still look at when he was at the Storm. You know, I still see pictures of him doing what he did on the right wing for the Storm. So mm. I'm, I'm a little bit biased about that. So you you would our series, and it's going to be a big one. It's coming up quickly. Would you, if 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 he was on the right wing? Uh, are we thinking around the table, uh, Dane Hale at Petty or, or someone at, at fullback, perhaps Kurtley Bill, but, but maybe Hale at Petty? Yeah. Me? Well, I think he's a... It's a nice option to yeah. have, isn't it, when you can throw in Hale at Petty and Beal? Yeah, that's a great option. Hale at Petty's a great player. Yeah. And uh, he's doing a pretty good job uh, for the Rebels there. And, you know, Maddox was there and then, you know, Hale at Petty's come back in and Maddox has gone back out onto the wing. So, you know, it's great to have two world-class fullbacks and, you know... Uh, it just comes around what you what you talk about as uh, as as uh, coaches, but you know the the back three playing group. You know if you've got those those skills, then it's you know to be able to maximise those skills across the back of back of the field is pretty. Uh, it's a it's a bit of a luxury to have. We could talk forever, but some quick fire ones. Uh, Bernard Foley, you spent time with him on his on his kicking game when he's in camp with the Wallabies. Um, started off uh, the year in amazing form, high nineties percentage rate, down to around about eighty five or eighty six now, I, I believe. Uh, you'd be happy with that? Yeah, I think he's worked really hard at at getting his um, getting his you know set up right, and you know even last year, he, you know except for a couple of games, um, he's. He's got great results, and uh, he's got the uh, the mental uh, aspect of his kicking game is is spot on. So, I think it's just for him to get comfortable, you know, which he's done this year. He's worked he's worked extremely hard at getting his his rhythm right, and you can see now his focus is spot on. He's done a great job. As Michael Hooper, his Waratahs captain, says, he kicks the ones that uh, that matter. Even on his off nights, he still can probably kick that one where they get a little bit more breathing space. Yep. Uh, the Irish coming down in June, I haven't met a New Zealander or an Irishman who has any bad words to say about uh, the coach, Joe Smith. Uh, he's, going to be, he's going to be fired up uh, and uh, this will be a scalpy he really wants leading yeah. into a World Cup. Yeah, Joe Smith is a, a, a great fellow. You know, I worked with him when he was in New Zealand. He was assistant coach of the Blues and um, yeah, he's he's his intensity around detail is is massive to the point where, you know, you talk to the the Irish guys and you know they, he just doesn't let up, and uh, I guess at the top end of the game that's what you need from a coach. And eventually, I think the players in Ireland have 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 got to understand what it's like when a coach comes in and he's not letting you off the hook. You know, he's not going down a path this week or next week or the week after. And all you got to do is, you know wait him out and he'll move on to something else. Joe doesn't move on. He knows what he wants and he's just going to stick at it. Just before we get to the weekend and just really skim over what's happening, uh, if you're picking your 10 to play for your life, there's been a couple of good ones out of New Zealand and a few out of Australia too. Are you going to go Bowden Barrett or Dan Carter or is there someone else that you'd, you'd have? Well, I think the the beauty for, for me is that uh, it's... I look at it from in, internally, you know, so externally, when you look at it, you probably see, you know, there's this guy does this or that. But for me, mate, I, I really like, you know, what Bernard brings to the game for us, you know, and when you look at the talent of Bowden Barrett and Dan Carter, um, I, I still think Dan Carter has the ability to, 
to sit in the role of 10, like Bernard does, have the ability to sit in the role of 10, either in a pocket or take the game to the line, etc. Um, you know, where it's not all 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 out attack, you right. know, just a little bit more cultured around the, the role of 10, but you'd never say no to what the skill sets of Bowden Barrett. Now, let's have a look at uh, week 10 of Super Rugby coming up, and... Um well, we got the Blues and the Highlanders early on on Friday afternoon, but the big one really is the Waratahs and the Lions, and uh, that is the top of the Australian Conference against the top of the South African Conference. Indeed, it is. Yeah, and uh, that is going to be a, a hell of a game, Clarky. How do you see that one? Uh, I'm going for the for the Waratahs. I just think that uh, they're on this roll. This is only going to be their fourth home game, uh, and they've got their destiny in their hands at long last now, so they need to win a game a game like this if they're going to go on because uh, after the Lions, they've got a bye, and then they've got four games against New Zealand teams, two away and, and two at home from memory. So uh, this is an important one for the Waratahs. Uh, I'm worried about uh, injuries because Michael Wells, who is punching above his weight, yeah. uh, playing really well at, at, at number eight, and Will Miller, both... Uh, injured on on the weekend so there could be a bit of a restructure there uh jack dempsey not back and i'm hearing it might be a little bit longer than first thought for for jack's return i heard six or seven weeks still the other day is that right yeah well i know it's certainly not going to be week eight because we've we've moved on from that already so so expecting uh maybe a bit of a shake up uh in in the uh the back row for the uh, for the waratahs but i guess you've got holloway that can start there young brad wilkin has Mm. been uh, busting a gut to try and get an opportunity somewhere along the line as well. So, uh, yeah, I'll go the Waratahs. It's going to be really um, interesting to see how that forward pack goes because we've been talking about it all year, but the, the South African pack's notoriously big and physical and the Lions very much so. So how they stand up is, is the big one and those couple of injuries as well. And how they travel as well. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's good to see another home game actually because it's so often you, you have a win and then you go overseas for a couple of weeks and it's out of sight and out of mind that's so right string a couple together yeah great you've, you've also got a wallaby flanker in the forward pack at the moment just playing second row so there's always an option to to push ned back out onto the flank and bring Santaforth in you know there's always there's always those mm. options as well if you if you're getting stuck there but I think we've, you know, there's, there's been a talk for the last couple of weeks that the Waratahs are going to go in as a smaller mobile pack. Well, they're going pretty good. Yeah, mm. That's right. Uh, no disrespect to the Sunwolves, but I'm tipping the Crusaders. <laughs> Thought you might, yeah. <laughs> in Christchurch. And, and um, yeah, this is, I reckon, make or break for, for the Reds. We're halfway through the season now, uh, and they really have to uh, bounce back. Three losses on the trot, uh, you know, at, at this stage of the year is not, is not great. So... They're at home, and it's been a long time since they've been at Suncorp Stadium. The Chiefs, are, of course, are an outfit that can cut anyone to pieces. But uh, yeah, uh, I just hope that the Reds are, are ready for this one, and um, you know they play the game as if their season depends on it. Well, you say that, but at the start of the year, Brad Thorne came out and said, "We're not, we're not going to win the Super Rugby title in 2018. Like this side is a side that's going to develop and hopefully improve over." this year and next year and really compete probably in 2020. So I think maybe that's a bit harsh to say, well, look, it's make or break. I think as long as we see improvement, I think that's what Queensland Reds fans want to say as well, aim up physically and, and give it their all. So, I'm a born and bred Queenslander. Wow. We don't want to see improvement. We want to see uh, the team winning winning each week. Yeah. And um, I think that um, one, one thing about young team, and that's what they are, 
is as as young players um, is it, it's inconsistent. Like mm. they're they're learning their consistency mm. and what you want from young players uh, in when you're in any environment, all you really want is you want your senior players to bring you composure, bring you direction, bring you consistent efforts, and then you want young players to bring your enthusiasm and energy and and play the game with a bit of free spirit. And I think when you've got young players that are trying to win big games of footy as well, you can sometimes you know. Um, stifle that enthusiasm and energy they bring to the game, especially when you put five or six or seven out there. And I think just coming back home, uh, you know, being back at home... First time in six weeks. Yeah, they'll be... And, you know, you heard the the talking after, you know, they got beaten by the Waratahs. The first thing they were saying was, can't wait to get back home and be at home and play at Suncorp and stuff like that. So I think the energy will come back into this side uh, very quickly. Well, George Smith might hopefully help that out. I was going to say, it's not a bad team. You know, this is not a developing team when you've got someone like James Slipper in, in, in the front row. Uh, Tupo is is out, but, you know, there's still a bit of experience there. Uh, Fargasi on, on the bench has played 30 or 40, 40 games, and you go to Rodder and Tui and... Uh, Douglas. Uh, and, you know, Doug, Douglas is there as well, and uh, and Korchak's been going okay, young Liam Liam Wright, if, if he's required. Uh, Timu, he was a bit one out the other night, but, you know, it's not a bad pack. And then if you go through that back line, Karebi and Fayawai, Sortier and Dungunu and Parisi... I think they'll compete. You know, uh, and, and John O'Lance is, is very solid, so... You know, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a team of misfits here. It's a bloody good team on paper. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, they're good enough to, to win more games than they lose from here on in. To beat the Chiefs, though, you're going to have to score, what, probably four tries? Three, three or four tries at least? You're not going to hold the Chiefs to, to fewer than that. So, no, I think that when you look at the Chiefs, they're probably the best side at playing off turnovers and counters and things like that. So Damien McKenzie. Yeah, so if you've got the ball, hang on to it. Yeah. You know, play your game. Don't give them cheap shots. Um, take them to a structured game. Keep the ball away from that loose play and, and make your tackles. And then, you know, yes, you've you got to score tries. But you know, I think the big one is not giving them that unstructured ability to play off. Uh, John yep. Mitchell's got the balls game. That's well. right. Uh, well, he, he didn't, but he does now. <laughs> they, they beat the Sharks. And the Sharks obviously finished off their New Zealand swing pretty well, arrived home and got, got jumped by the Bulls. So the Bulls hosting uh, the Rebels on sa- uh, Saturday night, our time, late Saturday night. Um, and, well, that's a, that's a big ask, really, to go over and, well, particularly, and win at, uh, at Loftus. Particularly when you lose Will Genia, who's mm. been just outstanding this year. So that's a huge loss. Michael Ruru, really capable player, actually. I think he's got a lot of spark and unfortunately had a couple of box kicks charged down on the weekend. And, and that probably was, was the difference between winning and losing. But uh, very tough. They're still searching for that, you know, that maiden victory over in, in South Africa. Exactly right. And uh, the Sharks, early on Sunday morning, they're hosting... Uh, the Stormers and then uh, the Brumbies on an afternoon game on Sunday, uh, and that is the Haguares, who, well, they ambushed in the last 20 minutes. They, they really got over the top of the, the Rebels, Mick shaking his <laughs> shaking his head, and and a third third half uh, or second half slide again by the Rebels. Um, the Brumbies though, they they hopefully get back on track at home. And how good is David Pocock? Oh, uh, uh, unbelievable. Immense. And, and I just hope that the referees, I mean, Dan McKell has been criticising the fact that uh, there was a lot of illegal play around uh, trying to negate David Pocock by the Highlanders, but uh, you must be pretty happy to see him play yeah. in the sport. Of, Look, yeah, I, it's I, only, what, second or third game back. Yeah, again, it comes back to the respect that they have for, for, for 
David Pocock, and I know that when they when they'll be training over there, they'll have someone running around with with a yellow bib on and making out it's Pocock. They'll be getting ready to to look for him because uh, you don't go into a game and not respect someone like David and and try and stop him. That's what teams try and do. So, yeah, but I I think you've got to stop him fair fair and square. You know, you'd, I thought um, you know uh, it's just it's just difficult because. Because when you hit Poe, he doesn't move. So all that's left is you come in, fly in, go whack, he doesn't move, and all that's left is your arm, and you just grab hold of whatever you can. And I think I'm not making excuses for what happened, but at the end of the day, Poe didn't move, and the only thing that was going to come was his head, and that's why it needs to be protected. So, yeah. you know, I think they got the penalty, but, you know, should have been more, who knows? But, you know, as long as they protect the, all the players that, that go in there and stick their head over the ball and need protection. He was outstanding on the weekend, the amount of turnovers that he got and the, the penalties that he forced. The, the Brumbies, well, we didn't really talk about them, but the Brumbies, that first 40 minutes, played a lot of good rugby and the, the pace of that game against the Highlanders was so quick. It was good to watch. There's promising signs there and, and uh, nice Arani, hopefully he's all right. He, he left in the midway through that second half, but geez, he's a talent. Yeah, he's got an extra day to get over... The uh, the head knock um, yeah, well, because the, it's on Sunday. The, the one thing for me like that that there's a 14 point turnaround in that game. Yeah, and uh, it just seemed to knock the a bit of the stuffing out of them. Uh, that intercept from Waisaki Naholo, you mm. know, they're going down that flank. They they put the ball through their hands there. Maybe they get across the line and they they had all the momentum and all the run of play, and then suddenly they're standing under their posts. Um, yeah, it was just a disappointing outcome uh, from that from that bit of play. They've had a couple of players, the Brumbies, and we, we should wrap it up, but a couple of players, the Brumbies, have been a bit down on form and, and uh, Henry not playing at the moment. Um, but Tevita Kurandrani, is he a concern with your Wallaby hat on? Uh, no, I think that uh, you know, he, he looks like he's uh, just starting to hit his straps and so with my Wallaby hat on, I'm, there's not a concern. Um the years and years of watching Super Rugby players, um, everyone has a concern over them, and then they they put their national jersey on. And uh, the main thing is that uh, you know he's getting himself into a, into a good headspace, working hard, get his work rate you know going well. Um, those those are the issues from a from a national. You obviously like to see players in form, but there's been I've, I've seen enough players over the years that. Haven't carried a lot of form into in Super Rugby that have come in and put a national jersey on and well he's one who's done it before as well hasn't he stepped so, up to the plate yeah. so yeah I think you know for me it's just a matter of him working hard seeing his work rate doing what it's doing and yeah I think we'll be fine well I'm sure the the Brumbies will appreciate getting back home to Canberra and taking on the Haguaras on Sunday afternoon you'll see that one on Fox Sports Mick thanks very much for joining us always good to catch up yeah thanks for, for a chat and um, look forward to to doing so next time. Christy, Clarkie, thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. And that is a wrap for the Fox Rugby Podcast.